Jessica. Hey, Elsie. How are you? I'm well. You sound fantastic in my ears this lovely morning. Toot toot. It's because I finally got my settings correct. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. No, you know, it, it, that, it happens all the time. And um, it's just funny how I'm sure a lot of people can re- relate to this, that you, you know you have your microphone plugged in, you're ready to go, you record your thing, and then your settings were not picking up the microphone no, that you wanted. It, the total wrong microphone. Yeah. And so the headset microphone, not the expensive one that I purchased. Right. So, I went, so months and months of sounding like crapola. And that's why. <laughs> Cause that happens all the time. And it's just to so geek annoying. out uh, a little bit on some of the audio stuff, I am currently, I've changed uh, from my usual Nessie cause I usually use the blue Nessie microphone. Mm-hmm. which is just a USB microphone. I'm currently using the Zoom H2N, which is a, a digital recorder that mm-hmm. I have recently purchased, and I'm using it as a microphone. So I'm in, in for all intents and purposes, I am using it as a USB mic. So I plugged it into my computer. I have it up on a little tripod. You can actually... You can get a um, the accessory like little extra bonus thing that you can buy for the H2N, and that brings gives you a little a little stand, and so you can stick it up on there. It has a little um, puffy, you know, those little spongy things, the pop filter things that you mm-hmm. put on top of it, and so it is really just being used as a microphone. And I've kind of been messing with the settings, and um, so this is the first time that I'm using it. For a podcast like this, so we'll see what the sound is like afterwards. I feel like I'm on an echo, though. Like you can hear every little thing that's that I'm doing or touching. And I think that that's the that's the that's the blue that's the blue microphone for you. No more. And so I'm gonna get a new one. Yeah. Well, this one is really really sensitive as well. If I move, watch this. You hear that? Yeah. Yeah. That's me moving the thunder. Yeah. I'm. That's me moving That's the tripod. And then even like if I tap on the table, it's really loud. And if I tap on the keys, it's really loud. The Nessie doesn't do that. The Nessie's a lot. Yeah. It like mutes a lot more sound. So yeah, I have that to was be, me typing. Yeah. I have to be super, super like still now. I cannot move. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. Um, I thought, you know, I, I, I just got um, involved in... Uh, a new podcast again, duh, because that's the only thing I do. Um, but this one really called my attention just because it was called Startup. Mm-hmm. And uh, so here's here's what's up with that. Uh, so award-winning radio producer Alex Bloomberg, uh, who is or was because he just left uh, This American Life and NPR's Planet Money. Mm-hmm. Uh, he left that those two, you know, awesome places, which he actually began. He it was his idea. He was a co uh, uh, creative director or just person who conceived Planet Money, and he built that podcast up from ground up. And he decided to quit basically his job, this his cushy job producing audio <laughs> professionally, to venture out on his own as an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. And so his venture is to create a podcast network. Like that's, that's his business. Like that's what he wants it to be. And Hmm. he is documenting the entire process of this via his podcast, his first podcast for his podcast network called startup podcast. 
And you can find that at here. I know, right? Herestartup.com is where he is um, doing it. And so it's really intriguing because his first episode, he records himself pitching this podcast network, you know, so because that, that's what it is, to billionaire investor Chris Saka, who's invested in Twitter, Uber, Instagram, and Kickstarter through his firm Lower K, Lowercase Capital. Saka! Saka! <laughs> <laughs> And so, Saka MC. Saka MC. Can't help myself. There's so much you can do with that name. <laughs> Stop it. Saka. I know, right? Good. But you know, it was so cool because I, when I listened to it, he he makes it um, a complete storytelling experience. So he tells you why he started his venture. He tells you what his dream is and all that stuff. Um, meaning, uh, Alex. He. You know, he, he just yeah. shares this and then he intercuts his conversation with Chris and as they're walking down the street and he's super transparent about the whole thing because he totally sucks in his pitch. He barely can get it out. He's constantly <laughs> like stumbling all over himself and the com- you should hear the conversation. I mean, it's like, it's funny because when I heard him talk, I thought, oh my God, he sounds so normal. Like he sounds like. He sounds like all of us would if we like were not our- an NPR dude. Yeah. Like, like just- do you think that NPR dudes just walk around going, hi, I'm Ira no. <laughs> <laughs> Like, you could just see him at a party going, I'll have a beer. Well, well, you know what? It's- <laughs> it wasn't that I thought his voice sounded wrong. It's just that he sounded like. Like a regular guy having a conversation. I guess, yeah. you know what it is? It's just because everything is generally scripted in some of the NPR stuff. Yeah. So you, when he was talking to this guy and he I was totally going like, it. well, um, I think that you should invest in this because um, it's a really good thing and I love it and mm-hmm. it's good. Which is not, yeah. <laughs> yeah. None of those are compelling reasons, obviously. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, I'm, I'm exaggerating, of course, but it was really intriguing. And so when I was listening to him, I No, got, but it's kind of like listening to John Malkovich order at McDonald's, <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> like you, like you, you only see him as like an Oscar winning, super serious actor. Yeah. Right. Same with Bloomberg. Like, He's a very professional speaker, and then he's, like, stumbling all over himself. Yeah, and so that was really, like, great. And then he commented on himself, like, how <laughs> how much he sucked. Like, so it was yeah. really great to hear all these different layers. But I did learn some things about this whole thing, especially because, I, you know, as a whole, I guess if you're pitching something, you would learn it if you listen to the podcast. But what I, some of the things that I really dug about it is that you kind of – even he said himself – when he was pitching that, well, this podcasting, well, cause pod, cause I'm okay. Cause I do podcasting really well. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, um, Saka tells Bloomberg that he shouldn't feel shy about explaining why he can do podcasting better than anyone else. Suggesting that of course, that's the only reason someone would trust someone to bring them out a return on investment. So since podcasting is like your main thing, Does like Chris Saka not understand anything about advertising though. What do you mean? Why? That's not really the only reason. In fact, it's the least. It's the least important reason why somebody would advertise on a show. No, no, Who no, gives no, no. A crap about if they're the best podcaster. Well, because it really has more to do with the audience and the 
and the product. Right. But what, what he's getting from Chris is not, he's not going to be an advertiser. No, he would be an investor. An investor. Right. So that's true. So basically what he's saying is that he shouldn't, in terms of podcasting, that's what Bloomberg does the best. Like that's his thing. Like that's how good he is. So he Mm -hmm. has to make sure that he backs himself up. So what is it? You know what I mean? I mean, I don't agree, but yes, we'll get to the other stuff. Um, and I guess it's just because of the fact that if you can't have somebody backing a company that says that he's a really good podcaster or that you're a really good podcaster, like you, you really get behind the mic and you totally throw it out of the ballpark, then you're not not, good enough reason. It's not a good enough reason. Think about all the people out there that are like really good singers. Right. And it doesn't I, mean they win the voice. It doesn't mean they've won American Idol. It doesn't mean anyone will sign for them ever. But they're just as good as anybody else. It's really about return on investment. Who cares if they're really good podcasters? Same thing as the, as the advertising. It's all business. None of it has to do with talent. Because if we could all just get by on our talent, a whole, a whole slew of different people would be on the radio. Do you think, though? Do you think that yes. if you were a really good singer? Okay, so what if you were a really good singer, but you were one of those singers that everybody was like, oh, my God, you sing so amazing. Oh, well, I guess. Yeah, I guess i <laughs> You know, and like you're that kind of a singer where you've got this amazing voice. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. And so yeah. if you're at Bloomberg and you're pitching this and you're saying, like, I'm a really good podcaster. Yeah, I agree with that. Oh, okay. Confidence for sure. No, <laughs> I agree with that. I mean, he shouldn't be shy about saying that. But I but I think maybe I'm just not – I'm reading into what's happening. I'm just saying that that's not enough. I think right. what he should say is, yo, it's not just because – you know, don't be shy about saying you're a good podcaster, but also, you know, sell it. Right. Don't just, don't just present it. You have yeah. to sell it. Madonna is a hustler. Mm-hmm. That's why she's Madonna. Not because she's a good singer. She's right. really not. She wasn't, at least for a long time, right? <laughs> right. No, it, it's true. And I think that that's the bottom line is that you really yeah. have to sell what you're pitching. Yeah. You have to sell what you're pitching. So regardless of whether it was podcasting or not, if you believe in yourself, you have to sell it. Or even right. if you don't believe in yourself, you got to pretend. You have to pretend. <laughs> when, you're, exactly when, right. you're, when you're pitching. Just so. your, yeah. Just do what Madonna did and buy a Coney bra and you're all set. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we all need to put our Coney bras when we start to sell. So, um, but that now that takes us to money, right? So yeah. the other thing is that um, Bloomberg started to go like, so how much money do you need? And then he goes, well, I think it's somewhere, um, well, around two hundred and fifty thousand to five hundred thousand. And then Saka was like, no, 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 you're looking for a very specific amount of money, so you have to say, yeah. X amount, you know, so this poor guy, Bloomberg, I I mean, it makes me sad, but at the same time, it's sort of like, you can't be good. You can't know everything. The guy knows broadcasting. He's not going to know marketing and advertising too. Right. Right. Yeah. You're right. Yes. Yes. But it makes me, I know, but reading that made me feel bad for him. Like he just got his. Took us, I know, handed to him, and on recording, like uh, right, you, you can hear this <laughs> in convers- the Business Insider. Yes, awful. Oh yeah. my gosh, and you can hear. Oh my gosh, yeah. So yeah, so that was really interesting, interesting to me too, because we oftentimes, you know, especially when, and this goes back to our asking for ads and sponsorship from people. If we have, let's say, a company that we're talking with, and they're like, "So, how much do you want?" And we're like, "Um, I don't know." Yeah, a uh, no. hundred dollars. 
you can never have a retail store and you can say, just take a guess right. how much your groceries are going to be and we'll try and work it out. Exactly. Right. That's not going to happen. It would be awesome, but no, it doesn't work that way. How much yeah. do you need? What do you need it for? What percent is going towards your salary? What percent is going towards talent? What percent is web design? What percent is ad design? What percent is equipment? What percent is studio rental? Show me the money. Show me the money. Right? Yep, I mean, absolutely. That's any, and that's any sponsorship or, yeah, that's anything like that. Absolutely. And so now this brings me, I'm like chewing, chewing half, okay. dr- drinking, chewing a smoothie. So because it's got chunks of stuff in it, of course. Um, and then this is something that was really intriguing to me as well, where it, this is really about Saka coming at it from the perspective of an investor and what he sees as a possible obstacle perhaps in investing in podcasting. And this is a, a direct quote of his counter argument for investing in the company because he did actually two things in the, in, if you listen to his, to that first episode, you'll hear Saka completely selling because then he does the pitch for Bloomberg, which is really great. And which he is very encouraging. He also. nails the pitch, which is great. He's just like, this is the, what's up. And he just nails it. And then, so at that time, Bloomberg thinks, oh my God, he's going to invest. And then immediately after he finishes that, he gives him this counter argument. And he says, and and I kind of broke it down into like the things that go against it or the argument that Mm -hmm. he says. Number one, saying long form, uh, he says that long form podcasts are risky when all other media content is getting shorter. Right. So what do you think about that? Long form. Long form podcasts, meaning like. 30 minutes to an hour is a long form podcast. I would think like short form content would be a five minute YouTube video or less. Um, I don't agree that that's, a, I mean, I don't agree that it's a bad investment. Okay. I do agree that media is getting shorter and shorter, but it's different media. Right. And I think for somebody who does this American life, you can't do that in five minutes. Right. It's just a completely different medium. His audience doesn't want it to be shorter. So it means to me that Saka doesn't get what he does. That's the first part. Good. That's my opinion. I mean, that's my opinion. No, I I agree with you. I agree too. I think that Saka doesn't quite understand that. But this this is one of the reasons that I really want to talk about this because then we can have a counter argument to that. We can Mm -hmm. have an ex- an example of somebody saying that to us. Like what if you're pitching a something like a bigger company and they say, way, you know, long form podcasts are risky because everybody wants to invest in a short video, YouTube video. And that has more of a return on investment for me. So we need to, as podcasters, be ready to combat that argument with something that we can prove otherwise. So it's just something to, to think about. I think. Yeah. I mean, if you do have a show that's 30 minutes or longer and most people who interview have at least 30 minutes, you know that even if your show is around 30 minutes, you're just getting to the meat sometimes and then you have to end it. Mm-hmm. So um, that doesn't mean, I mean, that doesn't mean you shouldn't explore advertising, you know, having shorter shows or having like, like I'm tr- going to see what happens if I introduce shorter shows. But um yeah, if you don't want to advertise, you don't get what I do. That's all. Right. That's and all. here, uh, number two. Yeah. There's a heavy reliance on Apple and Google for distribution. So that. Oh, um, you know, I don't agree with that either. I I see why for for this, I see why he's saying that. 
because the majority, well, see, because I would think so too. If I'm investing, like, let's say, I don't know how much he asked, like $250,000 or something. Oh, yeah. Okay. okay. So if I'm investing $250,000 and it's based upon how many people are going to be exposed and download the content, the main distribution channels for that is iTunes. I mean, honestly, if you took iTunes out of the equation, what would you have? I mean, just especially for NPR and things like that, the distribution is already there, especially when you're starting as an indie podcaster. And Google, and what the heck? I mean, how? That's true. Hold on. Go ahead. um, Well, if I go to Mm NPR.org, I can tell you using an Alexa ranking how much traffic their website gets. Oh, my God. It's number 664. So what that means is, It is the 664th most visited website. In the whole world? Yes. Oh, my God. (laughs) In the whole world. Do you know what mine is? It's like 300,000. Oh, my gosh. And actually, I will say this. Breaking a million is hard. Like, there are people, I know there are people out there in, like, little circles I see, and they're just like, oh, my God, I'm under a million on Alexa. It's a big deal. Right. And And so, NPR, so that means... Uh, oh, they also have 99,451 sites linking to MBR. So not only is it the 664th most visited, but they have that many websites that link to it on some level. So it's sort of like to say that they have to totally rely on iTunes is not exactly true. They probably have an insane amount of web traffic. Right. And so And so he needs to be, he need, you know, the counter argument there is, well, actually, our site gets 200 million people on it per month. So, so that, that would be, yeah. It's really not about iTunes. And, you know, but you have to be, but again, as a marketer, you have to be willing to know um, when you pitch an advertiser or a sponsor how people, you know, do your content. And so, you know, if he just said that to me, as a podcaster, I would have been like, well, that's not true. Most people listen on my website. And I know this because when they're broken mm-hmm. on the website, they email me and tell me. Mm-hmm. So they don't all listen on iTunes. Right. And and that's really that's really awesome. Now, you're yeah. going to have to – poor little Bloomberg, though. I mean, NPR's yeah. is at 600 and whatever ranking Alexa. But then now he's doing this on his own without the backing of Oh, NPR. so let's look at it. So do you know his web uh, – It's called – well, it's called Here, Here as in Listen, you know, H-E-A-R, yeah. Yeah. Here Startup. Dot com. Here's startup.com. So let's see what the, he's got going. It can't, still can't be that bad. Let's see. He, well, he just started. It's not great. Yeah. He just start, I mean, literally. It's still, it's, still, it's a little less than mine. It's 609,234. That's not bad. It probably means he's getting around 1,000 views a month. It's not great, and it is less than iTunes. So iTunes, so Saka on some level is right in saying that, you know, hey, we're, you're going to have to rely on your fame and iTunes and Google. And and on some level, that's true. Just because, you know, until he gets a, you know, an audience or whatever. Right. At the, and at the beginning. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Shame, but yeah. And here's a third argument that he had. He said, uh, oh, because one of the reasons that he pitched, when he was pitching uh, Saka on this, he said that uh, people do engage with podcasts because he had sort of like in, in Planet Money, they sold like I don't know how many t-shirts for Planet Money. I mean, it was like off the hook, like sold out, like raised so much money and all this stuff. And mm-hmm. so this is the counter argument to that. Uh, Saka says, uh, the successful Planet Money project likely had a boost from people's moral obligations to contribute to public radio, an advantage mm-hmm. uh, a for-profit company lacks. 
So mm. in terms of, you know, people being like, like being able to sell that, to be able to, to, to take something that is a profit, something from nonprofit to profit. So what do you have to say about that? From nonprofit to profit. Yeah, because the reason that Planet Money was able to sell that much is because of what he says, that it's people's moral obligation to contribute about people, you know, not having enough money or for whatever the campaign was. It was And based, so now it's a for-profit? And now it's a for-profit because now it's not Planet Money. They're talking about his, his podcast network. So if in his podcast network, he is asking for for money or if he is selling something in his new podcast, Startup Nation, or Startup Nation is what I call it. That's not what it's called. It's called Startup. Um, in his new podcast, in, 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 his, in his new network where he is mm-hmm. planting on, um, planning on creating a bunch of podcasts, are people going to have the same engagement and the same level of purchasing, they're going to purchase the stuff that he's saying as much as in Planet Money. Because I think so. You think so? Yeah. I mean, I'm co- trying to compare podcasting mm. to television in my head in order to right. comment on this. And like once upon a time, you know, I think, cause I probably wasn't alive then, but I'm thinking that, you know, the four main channels, NBC, ABC, no, the three, NBC, ABC, CBS, I believe they were free. Mm-hmm. I don't recall my parents having to pay for those four channels, plus UHF, right? I, I don't recall them having to pay for that. Um, you just needed a you just needed a television with a signal. That was what cost money, not broadcasting. And now that we have cable, it's hard to think of TV as a non for profit because um, we pay for cable. But you're not paying like the networks; you're paying your cable company. So. Similarly, if you think of podcasting as the way television was like 50 years ago, like it's free. Anybody can listen. So, so because of that, I don't see a podcast as a for-profit entity unless you charge the way we were talking about remit charging. Mm, like unless right. you, tra- you know, like okay. a Netflix show, unless mm-hmm. you're, unless you're paying for a show on demand, it's free, AKA not for profit. That's why you need the sponsors. Right. And so I, I, I don't know. I, I wish that Bloomberg was better prepared for this pitch because I feel like if he had just been able to compare his show, his concept to other medium, I think he probably would have gotten the sponsor. You know, I think he probably would have gotten the money, but I think because he was so unprepared for what the guy was going to say. But again, right there, it's just like, well, no, it really doesn't affect it. If you look at television and all of things, stupid crap that people buy. If you go to the NBC store in New York City, how many people are walking out of there with a Vandalay Industries t-shirt right. 20 years after Seinfeld ended? <laughs> because people are willing to, you know, Jerry yeah. Seinfeld's going to make money on that stupid show the rest of it. It's not stupid. It's hilarious. But for the rest of his life because right. of how funny. I mean, and so it doesn't stop people from spending money, planet, whatever, uh, I mean, um, the other thing that he was Planet money. paying for, yeah, I mean, the other, yeah, the other thing with fundraising is, it's, just, it's like comparing, it's, you can't even compare them. It's like comparing Alex's lemonade stand with simply, with simply orange lemonade in the grocery store. They're totally different. They're not even the same animal. They may taste exactly the same, but one is a charity and one, go, you know what I mean? Like yep. they're totally different. 
that's I don't know. What do you think? Well, you no, no, no. I, 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 I do. I think that there's a there's something to be to be thought about there. And then, but I, but I also see that the only positive thing is that you know you are appealing to people's moral obligations to some degree when you're doing when you're asking something for a non-for-profit right because it really appeals to like the community as a whole and humanity and what's right and all that stuff so that level of thing might be going well but at the same time a non-for-profit still needs to know how to sell so it doesn't really matter if it is a really good cause, if you don't know how to sell that good cause, you're not going to get the money. And Bloomberg obviously was able to sell it because he's a great storyteller and he was able to sell these t-shirts based upon the entirety of the show, which was Mm -hmm. a a non-for-profit. But at the same time, it could have been a for-profit, even if he's just telling those same stories. So that's how I would have uh, come at it in terms of of uh, convincing him now with your 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 mention about the fact that i wish he would have you know done a better job what was really great about saka is that after he finished doing this he said to him why don't you do this again why don't you prepare get yourself together and <laughs> then cool. go to la and pitch my um what do you call it my partner and mm-hmm. there so he had another shot and he the other shot is in episode two so i'll tell you about that in a little bit but um, so anyway, number four, this is some of the arguments again, uh, that Saka says, uh, he says there is a rising number of successful news or education based podcasts that show Blum- Blumberg's company wouldn't exactly be breaking new ground. Um, I don't remember. Does he list any of them? No, he doesn't. And then basically it says, and ultimately, even if Blumberg's idea is potentially profitable, it will be profitable within a niche market. Interesting, right? Lower case capital deals with companies that are predicted to become massive and even worth over a billion dollars. So basically, even Bloomberg's polished pitch wasn't able to instill the crucial, in quote, fear of missing out, quote, that Saka looks for, for investing. So that's, I mean, that's just intriguing because of the fact that um, and this comes up in episode number two as well, that when um, investors are investing in you, they're they're not investing in the pitch that you are doing at the moment. They're actually growing. They're, they're seeing the potential the of, the, yeah, the potential yeah. of even yeah. like the things that you don't even realize are possible because of their, their mind is there. Mm-hmm. So they see if you can scale. And that's the first thing that they start to think about. Like, how can you scale this to be a billion dollar company? Yeah. That's like, Just let me at this guy. <laughs> let me at All this guy. his objections are weak, I think. I think, you know what? I, bl- I, I think that every single a, one of them you can come back at. And that, I think, in part that of it. That was weak. There's, so, there's other shows, so he's not breaking new ground. Big deal. There's other murder mysteries. <laughs> there's other, I mean, like, but if you think about all the new shows that are out this way, like, I'm just thinking, once again, bringing it back to television. All the cop shows that have been out, and yet Brooklyn Nine-Nine won an Emmy, their first, I believe, their first season out of the gate. Wow. Right? And, like, all the other dramedies. Orange is the New Black. How many Emmys were they nominated for? All the other, you know what I mean? Like, that that objection is bonkers. That That objection can kill any idea, any pitch. Oh, there's so many other... Blah, blah, blah. You know, when I was a, um, training to be a graphic designer, it was after I already had a degree and my, my dad or someone was 
stupidly proud of me in front of his older brother, <laughs> my dad. And he was just oh like, oh, yeah, Jess is studying to be a graphic designer. And he looked at me and he goes, they're all the same. Oh, my all gosh. graphic designer, they're the same. I was like, oh, oh. Thanks. So my experience, my expertise, my eyeballs, my talent, my artistic capability, few as they may be, that's going to be the exact same as Milton Glaser, who did the I Heart New York logo, right? <laughs> We're just equal. <laughs> We're just equal, right? Me and every other, like, I mean, just, I, and it wasn't even me being cocky. It was me even being humble. Like, how dare you say that about every genius designer there is out there? I'm not the same as them. They're obviously not the same as me. Right. And I'm an uncle like you, for example. <laughs> Well, but this is the same thing. Like, why couldn't he have said, like, yeah, I know there's news podcasts, and I know they're education-based podcasts. They're not done by me. You know, Mac Daddy Bloomberg. Right, exactly. That's me, that's, brother. Right, What exactly. are you talking about? And that's the, that's the whole point. You know, I, I believe that there are times when you think of that and, and afterwards, but it's really hard for you after you've, even if you've done this, after you've messed up your pitch, though, it's, it, it, it does become about backpedal. No, 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 no. I'm really good because I've done this and this and this, and that becomes more defensive as opposed to if you're just ready to come at these objections with with clarity and steadiness, which I think that, you know, and Bloomberg also mentions that when he went to pitch Saka, he went in with uh, like a, a deck, you know, he ha- he he was ready for was a good deck. going in the, no, but well, the thing is, this is what happened. He went in with a deck to be able to do his stuff. He had practiced that stuff. He, he was imagining the, that it was going to happen this way. Yes. And then he went in and he was like, Hey, what's up? And then Saka went, let's go for a walk. Oh, yeah. And so then he was like, holy crap, my crutch, right? No deck, no nothing, just walking yeah. down the street with Sokka. And so, yeah. and then he was like, okay, go for it. And it was like, oh my God, right? So mm-hmm. it really was just as a whole, we are not, at least for, I know for myself, I'm not used to pitching anybody. I, I don't know what I need to do or, and I even just bringing it back to my acting days, it's like one of those things where we're so used, like if, if you could sit back and say like, I can totally nail this scene. If I have the proper actor acting off of me, if I have the right lights, if I have the costume, if I have all this stuff. And I think what I lacked in is was my ability to adapt especially going into hollywood because a lot of the time what they do is like they're like okay you have to stand on that x yeah and now you can't look that way no you look straight ahead and do this and you're like oh my god how am i supposed to be acting in the moment if you're telling me i can't move and i have to look right there and then i'm having a love scene with like a 40 year old jewish woman who is angry you know what I mean? Improv, who, baby. Who's in, it, this, this is what I'm saying. And so uh, it, all of that stuff was very hindering to me, and it took me a while to even break through that so that I could be okay. Yeah. And so I think that that's what happens sometimes. We just need this, experience. And maybe this is one of those skills that I just have is spontaneous right. you do. argumentativeness. You do. You <laughs> totally do. Spontane- spontaneity in general, just the ability to quickly adapt to, you know, what I'm thinking, what I'm pitching, what I'm saying, because to be honest, like for those who are listening, like you must think like, Oh, I have this pitch ready to go for advertisers. I don't, I don't have a pitch ready. I've not, I have four advertisers. I've not pitched one of them. Mm-hmm. I've never even asked for a, you know, I mean like a, well, actually that's not true. 
dream host, I did go up to them at a booth in, in uh, New Media Expo, and I did sort of, you know, com- you know, on some level convince them that I would be a good show to advertise in. They just had already done their budget for the year. But, like, um, I don't practice this. But, I mean, boom, one, two, three, four. I thought his counter um, arguments were weak. And I have an answer for all of them, even though, I mean, simply from, I don't even know from what. Just from being a, I guess just from comparing it to different things. Like, I don't know. Because is it, I mean, I don't know if it's confidence in the medium. I don't know why. But, like, saying that there's there's others and you're not breaking new ground, I mean, who would win Best New Artist at the Grammys? <laughs> if if people thought that. who who. We would have to get rid of that category altogether because how many singers are there? The point that he should have made that he could make, and Alex, if you're listening, (laughs) this is for you. The point is that it's true that there are a rising number of average podcasts, just like there's a huge number of average television shows, average singers, average life coaches, average business coaches. Average fashion designers, average everything. Just like the DMV graduates a bunch of average drivers every year. That ah. doesn't, right? But that doesn't mean you don't invest in me. Right. That doesn't mean you don't watch me be better. Because I'm not them and they're not me, period. Well, see, this is what people need. They need some of the just sauce. Hmm. <laughs> no, you know, that is a skill, <laughs> Jess. On all honesty, that is a skill. And it's really interesting because it's, it is, it's a skill that you're either born with or you can learn. And that's the whole point, being able to learn that kind of stuff, to, to think on your feet, to be able to, to finish and, and land something because you know your stuff inside and out, right? Yeah. Because there are some people who can go on stage and just ad lib. Like we've talked about this before, I think mm-hmm. in another one, wherever you, you lean on your, on on your gifts of whatever that might be and and there are some yeah. and I and I am one of those people that needs to be 100% prepared for what I'm going to be talking about. I'm so much better at but I dig that. Like I, I did a deck for my my piece at podcast movement. I don't think I could have done it without it. Right. Yeah, I think that but the whole point is though that you can speak on your feet. You're really good at yeah. that. And I think that's a skill that we do that's part of the the skill set that we that, that those of us like myself that don't have need to build. And this is how you do it. This is how, this is how I've learned to do it. You have to put yourself out there and you have to fail like this. So you have to go and you have to talk to the investors. You have to pitch. Even if you suck, you have to sit there and do it again and again and again, just like you would do Mm -hmm. anything else because it starts to get easier and easier. You get, you break through your mind issues. You break through your mouth issues because there's a lot of time. Where you think it in your head, and then it just doesn't come out of your mouth, even if you want it to. So, you know, yeah, yeah, that's all. You just get better I mean, at it. And this could just be. I mean, look, I'm also really passionate about marketing and advertising and investing, and I sort of always have been. Mm-hmm. So, I'm a good person to be able to sell sponsorships and advertising for my show or any show because I just know how to. I mean, my husband also always tells me I should have been a lawyer because I also just know how to argue. And come back with benefits and um, pros and cons mm-hmm. for anything. I don't consider myself a necessarily good salesperson. I think I'm good at this particular subject. Uh-huh. Like I couldn't right. go sell my brand of ketchup to a tomato farmer. I would feel like an idiot. Right. I'm not passionate about ketchup though. Right. I don't give 
yeah, you know, so, um, the trick, I guess, is to, when you are, like, if, I feel like if Bloomberg was truly, I don't know, maybe I'm just not giving him enough credit, but I feel like if he was truly passionate about his show, his network, I feel like if he was truly into the fact that it's a brilliant idea, this meeting would not have been a problem. But do you know what? But here's the thing, though. So he continues because it does. It does mean not much to him. He was really defeated. I mean, he's got like conversations with his wife in there. His wife is awesome, by the way. Even the snippets that you've heard in the second episode, he did really practice a lot more and he pitched again and he got a maybe, which is like to to come back and revisit or they'll have it on the table. I don't know, something like that. But it wasn't a no. And the the, um, partner said that it wasn't a no. But here's the thing that happened, Eh. Jess. You're going to have to listen to that episode number two. It was really great. Because of the fact that this this actually alludes back to our episode about the whole hobby or indie podcaster versus business podcaster. Because Bloomberg is really going out this from passion, creativity, storytelling. It's all about heart. It's all about soul. It's all about doing it this way. But he doesn't know how to dive into the business world on his own as an entrepreneur, which I think is a skill that needs to be learned so that it's not dissonant from what you knew before. So it's not that you know different then. And what happened when he pitched it the second time is that he did incredibly well. He was super prepared, so right on. And then the partner said, have you thought about this? He goes, this is a really great idea, but I don't think it's a great idea as a podcast network. I think it's a great idea as an app. And then he took it in a completely different direction than what, than what Bloomberg had originally pitched. I saw that. And so then all of a sudden it was like, then has, you know, his heart was broken because he was like, my dream is this. Should it be that? Am I not paying attention? I mean, I don't even know. And so he, it was really great because the last bit of his podcast was like, I don't know what I'm doing anymore. <laughs> and it's that feeling that we have all had <laughs> after we're doing something and somebody gives us advice and we're like, was I wrong? Am I supposed yeah. to, you know, you start to doubt yourself. So it's really, I really dug that whole thing. And I, I was just like, wow, I'm rooting for you, man. And from in my, in my head was like, you do what you want. Don't let him push you into doing apps. <laughs> But sometimes, you know, this is a this is a very specific um, comment on this very specific topic. Mm-hmm. But sometimes I, I think an idea is only good in your head, like threesomes, right? Like, our, <laughs> like being a swinger. <laughs> sometimes those ideas are only good in your head when when you actually try to like. Oh my god, this I'm is getting so personal now. This is but so if you funny. actually try to like implement them in real life, mm-hmm. it becomes messy and difficult and not practical. And and in my head, a network is a perfect example of one of those ideas. You you want to have a network so badly, and it's the most brilliant idea you can think of in your head. I have had the same feeling. I have wanted to have a women's show network or a women's business network or some kind of podcasting network, the way that Quick and Dirty Tips works. She's the only person, oh, the Nerdist also. Those two networks are the only networks I know that um, are successful at it, that make money doing it. And now I have to, I have to pull them up. Twit um, the, does it too this weekend. Like the, you know, um, Nerdist Leo, and Quick and Dirty Tips. Leo Laporte. 
he has a very successful million dollar business with networks, with a network. Uh, so does five by five, five by five has a network. There's a ton of networks and they are, they're actually making money. You're right. It's because it's, it's power in the masses. So hard. But, but so wait, what was the last one you just, the first one you said? The first one look. was the uh, Leo Laporte that this week, this week in tech, he's got like a bunch of like yeah. all tech podcasts, all video, right, audio podcasts, the million dollar. That. That's the one that's perhaps the, the most successful of all those networks. Of all the networks? Okay, let me pull yeah. it up. Twit um, TV. Uh, Twit, yeah. Twit TV. Okay. So let me just look at the shows that they have on there. Because, like, the thing I can't rectify in my head. Okay, so here, let's go to the shows page. This Week in Tech, Marketing Mavericks, Tech Guy, This Week in Google. Okay. So these are great shows, and all the networks have great shows. The trick is not even necessarily the content. It's the exclusivity. Because if you have a network, any show, any show on that network, in order for it to be the network to be successful, it has to exclusively be on that network, not anywhere else. And that's right. the reason why. Was I talking to you about the Entrepreneur on Fire Network with the Integrity Network? No. Do you know about that? No, please don't. Oh, did I say that out loud? Okay, go ahead. <laughs> so the Integrity Network. If you do a search for it in iTunes. Um, this is the exact reason why it's not working. Mm. The Integrity Network is um, – oh, I spelled network wrong. I want to read you the shows. But it's Amy Porterfield, Lewis Howes. Um, oh, they do have an app, but it's free. Um, Amy Porterfield, Lewis Howes, Derek Halpern, Entrepreneur on Fire. Um, let's see what else is on there. I know this the Art of Charm, here. Smart Passive Income, The Fat yeah, Burning Man, is, Ben yes, Greenfield. Yeah, Good Life Project, Ask Pat. Right. But here's why this network is a bunch of – I mean, the net, the shows are great. Mm-hmm. You can love the shows all day long. The reason why the network is never going to succeed is because each one of these people is um, – They have their own thing. They have their own website. They're not going to send traffic to a network right. site because they're going to send traffic to their own site. And then you can't get advertised. I mean, you Tricky. could, I guess, sell advertising across the board. But the selling point for Twit TV or the Nerdist or Quick and Dirty Tips is, once again, the traffic. Mm-hmm. And so if Amy has better traffic than Lewis and if Pat has better traffic than John – they, why would they share the money in between them? Mm-hmm. They wouldn't. That would be stupid. They would get their own advertising and forget the network. What's the point of having a network? Just to say that you endorse one another? Mm-hmm. Jerk, jerk. We already knew so. that, yeah, right? I think, I think that that's it. I think that's the bottom line in terms of that. And you're completely that, right. Because that's why networks don't work. Right. There are some that, like I said, you know, like in, in terms of the, the nerdy or tech, the tech crew yeah. they're really invested in networks they know they how network they know right. how network works and this is the other thing that really works for networks which is something that is not being implemented like what you just said that a lot of these network shows have the same guests i'm mean, not guests have the same hosts in a lot yeah. of the different ones so leo laporte is like the guy in twit right he is yeah. the guy i right. think he hosts i don't know how many of these shows like right or, or at I least can have ho- my own network of right. my own this is what shows. 
exactly. Like Cliff does, right? Cliff has GS. Now, oh, we forgot about him. Cliff Ravenscraft has yeah. GSPN TV. Yes, he does. It's like 11 of his own flipping shows. Yes. Brilliant. Because you keep all the cash. Exactly. But and this is much harder. And so, yeah, yep. go ahead. Sorry. No, no, no. But what, what I'm saying is that it's exactly that, is the fact that most people, when they're doing the networks, they're interested in, like, like you and I could create a network where you could do some shows, I could do some shows, we yeah. could do some other shows together where we wouldn't just be talking like, you know, podcasting stuff. It'll be Elsie and Jess talk about, I don't know, whatever, like TV shows, like, right. you know, from the, I don't something like that. And it would right. just be us conversing. And the way that people would really invest in this is because they come to us first. They're drawn to us first, the way we deliver the media, and then we diversify it. And then we get people that kind of align with us, right? Because that's right. what's been happening with, you know, with um, Leo Laporte, what happened is he had so many guests on his show, right? He developed certain rapport with certain people. And then he asked those people to be his co-host, or he asked those people to be a host in one of his shows. Right. And so it, it would be like- stays if, on the network. Exactly. And so that's how it began. And then the person who he, you know, had on a show- or, you know, started co-hosting either has an exclusive thing with him or they actually got their start doing one of the shows for twit. And then, then they started doing their own thing, but they still right. have that one show for twit. Right, right, right. So, and actually, again, probably this was in Bloomberg's deck, which he wasn't allowed to use, but if he showed examples of successful networks, he would then have been able to explain, Hey, this is the business model this is how it works and this is why it works because the people that are going to be on startup aren't going to be anywhere else so i don't need an app it's not going to be the integrity network it's going to be me and ira glatt and it's all going to be on just this one website and that's it and sarah silverman or whoever else they you know i don't know what made her come to mind but um whoever else they're just going to be on my network only like the nerdist has specific channels um, the Alton Brown cast, JV Club, you don't see those anywhere else. And actually, YouTube Network, same thing. My Damn Channel, um, same thing. Those shows are, you know, they pay their hosts. Quick and Dirty Tips, I believe, pays their hosts a monthly fee. They can do whatever they want, like with the money, but they can't certainly put, Grammar Girl can't have her own GrammarGirl.com and start making her own advertising. She can speak and she can write books and she can do other stuff on her own time. That podcast belongs to Quick and Dirty Tips. Now, silly to say because Mignon is the owner, co-founder of Quick and Dirty, but right. you know what I'm saying. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Um, so I feel like, I also feel like here's where Saka didn't understand. He wouldn't have suggested an app if he understood how networks actually function. Well, this wasn't Saka. This was a different guy. Oh, right, this, right, right, right. He was, it was his co, co-founder. His co-host, right, right, his co-founder. Right, so so he thinks they should do an app, and meanwhile this guy's like, oh, my dream's been crushed. But it hasn't been crushed because they're a good idea, but just rarely. Rarely is it a good idea to new a network. It has to be done correctly. You have to have exclusivity with your hosts. You have to be able to pay them or they don't want to do your content. Or promise to pay them something in the future. And this is why I don't have my own network because I can't rectify. If I plucked you your yoga class, how am I going to explain to you that it's good for you to be on my website as opposed to your website? Right. Because you might get advertising dollars. I still own your show and all the traffic that comes along right. with it. I would have to start with you. And the pool would right. be to, to be start with a new Jess. Show. It would right. be basically right. you... The, the appeal of networks too is the fact that they do a lot of the back end stuff, like the five by five network, which um, has uh, is, is again also a very techie kind of nerd geeky kind of 
network. And those guys there at five by five dot TV and it's the number five. Um, those guys over there, what's really great about Dan Benjamin, who I really, really, really wanted to meet over at the podcast movement, who he was there, but I guess he had an entourage. I had no idea. And I really wanted to meet him. Um, is because of the fact that he gets really great minds and really uh, amazing people in the sphere to commit to do a show with him, right? They develop the show and all that stuff. I don't know what the back end is and that stuff. But then what Dan does is he basically does all the post-production of it. So his people... Uh, you know, adjust the time of when they're going to record. So imagine like you and I get together. Um, so, and then afterwards we're, we're totally, you, you basically just shuttle out the, the, the file and it's all taken care of. Right. How cool That's is true. that? I mean, and that is, and that is how quick and dirty tips became successful is because she plucked people who didn't have shows yet and said, Hey, we're going to do all the work for you. Um, we're going to do all the work for you. And then, you know, hopefully someday we'll get paid, but either way you'll have a show. And she did all the editing at first by herself. Right. And then she partnered with McMillan. And, um, do you think we should address, um, just lastly, if we have time, Mm -hmm. um, there's one style of network that I've, I have warned, you know, I feel like I warn people about this all the time, but podcasters get pitched to be on networks all the time. Like, and I'll give one example, the e-women network. Mm -hmm. Do you know about that? Are you familiar with that? Okay. So the e-women network, if you go to e-women network, um, dot com. Okay. Okay. And they are a, you, you join the e-women network and then you're like an official, um, it's called the complete success system for business women. But basically joining and being a part of this group gives you some kind of clout and clarity as far as like what kind of coach you are and what kind of influence you have, okay. et cetera and so forth. Okay. So, so I think that the organization itself is really good and they have good events and they have this and that, but they have a podcast uh, network. It's called the e-women radio network. It is a separate website. Okay. Okay. So, so now you go from eWomenNetwork.com to EWNRadioNetwork.com. And what they do is you have to apply to be a host, have an interview or an audition. And then if you're accepted, you pay them $1,500 a month. Oh my gosh. To have a show on their network. And what they tell you is that I mean, the reason you would want to do this is because of their clout, because of their name, because of their audience. However, the E-Women Network Alexa ranking, 154,000. The mm-hmm. podcast, 2 million, 230. Oh. You, prob- you probably have more traffic than they do to that for shtunkin a mm. site. Yet here, and so I had a friend, Stephanie Bavara, who was, you know, either approached by them or she approached them because, you know, it's, it's attractive to women who, don't, <clears throat> don't want to market themselves right? or grow faster. I got a frog all of a sudden or, or, no who, or who want to grow faster. Uh-huh. So they think, Oh, I'll just pay them and then do, they'll do all the marketing for me. So the shows I believe are hold your, hold yourself, Elsie. Oh no. They're, they're on blog talk radio. <gasps> and so they're being promised a certain amount of downloads, which they get because they're paid for. However, like, and Tina Pettis actually has a show on there, which she, she's told me, she's like, I don't know if I would do it again. Because, um, out of all those downloads, she has not had one 
like one conversion, one email oh. conversion, one website conversion, none of that. So she may have 12,000 downloads a month. It doesn't mean diddles. Oh, Whereas okay. like her, her own show at the first month, which may have gotten a thousand, she had more conversions and inquiries from that mm. than she would from this mm-hmm. because, which makes sense, right? Right. Because you are almost always better off on your own, especially if a network is new which EWN Radio Network is obviously new, or they're not really promoting it properly enough to get the kind of pricing that they're asking for. One hundred fifty. I mean, I'm sorry, fifteen hundred a month, or is it three thousand for or is it three months? Maybe it's three months, but still, that's a car payment. Yeah, that's that's a lot. That's a that's a lot of investment. Like, if I were to invest that much money in my podcast, I'd probably. Oh my God, I could do so much with that. There's so many I networks like this. So though. This much, is just really? an example. Oh. I'm only using this one because I know that we have a, a women's audience and I know right. there are women in our audience that may at some point um, find this to be appealing. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be a mistake because you shell out money and you give you, – you shell out money and you give them the content. And they say you can put the show on your own website, but really they – they sort of like um, discourage you from doing that. Right. And they put ads in your show for themselves. Mm, okay. Well, so you're paying them. Right. And see, that's, that's, that's the thing, Jess, because of the fact that um, – okay, so let's, let's take it back to the TV kind of analogy as well. If you think about – because I was just thinking about what would make me Imagine. commit, right? Could you, yeah. What would make me commit to – like if somebody came and pitched me and I had my – you know, I had uh, – let's say I was developing – let's say um, at the She Podcast group, people will post like, I'm doing my show. I'm about to launch my show. And there's something that we're like, oh, my God, we've got to nab her, right? Mm-hmm. And, then, and then say, you'll be on our show and we'll take care of it. It would be sort of like NBC coming to you and saying, will you be on our network? And so when you're on NBC, that means you can't be on the other networks. That means that you also have to be doing all those NBC, you know, things, you know, the advertisements that they have at the beginning of the fall season where all of the different show, you know, people come and do a little promo for NBC. Um, So all of that stuff is part of the NBC now thing. And then those shows are being, um, pitched or not pitched, but, you know, advertised on everybody else's show, but you don't see any ABC shows on NBC, right? Right. But but also, yeah. So, I mean, but they're paying, they're paying these people to make these shows. And so it's not even NBC because if if they had the, it's kind of like if NBC came to you and said, I want you to, I want you to have a show, but on our network that no one is watching and then you pay me, right? Not we pay you. You pay us to be on our network that no one's watching. Right. And then you say, here, thank you, NBC. Bend, let me bend over so you can shove something bigger up there while we're at it. <laughs> because, because truly, that's what's happening. Right. If NBC asked me to be on their network, I wouldn't give a rat's fat butt about being on Fox. I'd be thrilled out of my pants if right. NBC wanted me. I'd be happy to promote NBC all over town. But I wouldn't pay them. I mean, yeah. it's just no, silly. You're, you're, absolutely. I'm 100% silly. behind that. No, I'm so behind that. And Shame on them. Shame on them. So that, that's, that's all I'm saying is the I fact know. that even with that, with, I know you're like, bah! podcast networks, I think, do have a power, but I think that it really comes from the ability of the person who's getting it together to have the know-how, the expertise, the 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 passion, the pull, the charisma to get this yeah. stuff done. Because yeah. even if we don't have, like, let's say you and I got together and did a pod- podcast network, we would have to really amp all of that stuff like that we have already as gifts, like way up high, 
way yeah. up high and then be able to sell not only advertisers for this or sponsors or even investors, but also people who we know are genius talent. as well. The talent. We have yeah. to do both. So, and also, you and I know a lot of talent. I'm not going to say anything about our Sheep Podcast group, except that is also the key. Yeah, you look at the true. nerdist. If you look at Twit TV, yep. he pulls people that already have some clout. So like, it wouldn't just be like people in Sheep Podcast who are just starting their own, you know what I mean? It would have to be like, like Allie Brown would be a, per, you know, somebody who doesn't have a show already, but had, but is well known. Well, I guess would she be, does have a show. I know, but Let's she's show. just an example of, right. you know, before she started her show. Like, I'm trying to think of somebody else, like a life coach that doesn't, I don't know, just Fabienne, she has her own show now. I can't stand her, but like, uh, who doesn't have a no, podcast? But, but at the same but, time, you know though, what I'm saying? Yeah, I think that Renee be- Brown. Brene Brown. Yeah, because it would be, have to be... She would be good. There would be really good name, big names like that, like Podcast One is doing that. Yes. They're building... They're just actually reaching out to just people who are just entertainers, random yeah. people who have a following and saying like, hey, you want to have a podcast? We'll, we'll produce it for you and we'll sell ads for you and yes. we'll do all this stuff yes. for you. So yes. that's what they're doing. But yes. at the same time, I'm also in the ilk, at least if it was ours... To be able to also provide a platform for people who don't have a following, who are who are superstars, because there are a, a, a few of our she podcasters, too, a handful, That's or even true. a lot of them, who are really great in their right. niche. And, and I would and I would do a mix because you're right. I can think of at least there's so one or many two shows that are just starting out that are that are would be perfect, and they and my audience would love them, and they would be you know what I mean, and they would yeah. be good. And they just. Yeah, don't have the time. You shouldn't have to take the time to develop ten years worth of an audience. Exactly, and then the other thing is too that what Saka hit on there is that it's got to be niche. Sometimes with networks, the the more niche they are, the better it is. So in my idea of this kind of stuff. It would be a huge mix of women mm-hmm. podcasters who weren't all just business women, or they weren't just talking about yeah, that. Yeah, no, you're right. But at the same time, contracts also would be different contracts. Right. You don't pay Allie Brown the same thing that you pay like me <laughs> if you're tapping me, right? Like, right. Like those are different contracts altogether. Well, it could. Be anyway, sorry. Anyway, okay. Sorry. I know that you I'm are going to really have sorry. to. You're going to have to go get the baby, make sure the baby and you are doing well. So thank you. No, but I interrupted you. I wanted you to finish your... No, well, I don't even know what I was saying. All I was saying is the fact that everybody... Oh, yeah. A lot of really good mix of not just business, but also... But you know, that, a wide variety of women's issues, which I agree. But the other thing is the fact that it would be a harder thing to sell as a whole. It would it See? would be a completely different pitch, yeah, because it's not so narrow. It would be like, well, you know, the same ad that let's say I'm doing some sort of yoga podcast with Kate Stillman, who I love. Let's mm-hmm. say we're doing something. We're not going to have the same advertiser as, let's say, we're doing for She Podcast. Let's say it no. would be a different. But that's yeah. what I'm saying. It would be harder to sell the network as a whole, and it would be easier to sell it if it was just all focused. Focused on one no, thing. you sell you sell a number of shows. It's kind of like how iTunes gives you categories. Right, we you, would have like, to sell. Yeah, I would go the, to like uh, I don't know. I'm trying to think like Tide, right? And I right. would say, okay, we have these. We have seven. We you know 17 shows, four categories. You pick two categories, and you can pick the three. You know, mm-hmm. pick the four shows out of those two categories, right. or whatever. And then they can choose. They mm-hmm. can choose. You know, okay, I'm going to want the yoga one. You know, they're going to think of who their audience is and pick the show that goes to the best audience. Because you're right. Like, and also you have to pitch a really wide variety of advertisers. It wouldn't just be Fresh Books or Dreamhost or any of the businessy ones. I couldn't just do like Libsyn, for example. It would have to be. Um, cause Libsyn would be a good advertise, not that they would cause you, you know, you work there, but like 
they would be a good advertiser for She Podcast, but they wouldn't be a good advertiser for like a comedy show. That would right. be ridiculous. That would be very ridiculous. Though, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Totally. Yeah. So that's a really good, that's a totally good point. You just have to be strategic about how you would do that. But, and I don't know why we're even talking, I mean, it's not like anybody out there is going, my network will rule the world. But because <laughs> we're talking, because we're, you know, I think it's important just because if you ever want to start one or if everyone ever asks you to be on one or if anyone, you know, if you ever think of partnering and doing one, these are the things that you have to think about, right? Absolutely. Do we want to be on a network or do we, or are we better off on our own? I think most of the time we're better off on our own. It has to be a really good setup in order for you to jump. Yep. That's what I think. There you go. There you have it. So we're wrapping. So what do you guys think, uh, ladies, about this whole network and pitching? Because that's, those are the two things that we really thought about and, and um, kind of taking this beyond even just the sponsorship model, but seeing different ways of, of really running podcasting as a business. Yeah. So um, if you would like to send us feedback, you could do it over at feedback at shepodcast.com. You can also join our Facebook group because we do have a lot of wonderful conversation going on on Facebook, and that is at shepodcast.com slash group, which is where the majority of the conversation goes in. And mm-hmm. lastly, I just started uh, putting these really great links over on the She Podcast Facebook page. Um, so what I'm doing is really just doing one link a day that is podcast industry related, whether it's news, editorial commentary tools things like that so if you are a man <laughs> and want to be a part of the she podcast community yeah liking you, liking the, the yeah liking the, the liking the she podcast page will be awesome because i'm yes. sorry the she podcast facebook group is strictly um for ladies chicks only for chicks only so it's ladies night in there every night yeah baby yeah, i baby. think you should name the title of this episode <laughs> our networks like threesomes <gasps> oh my god i have to write that down that is so because good. are they because <laughs> it does have to be the perfect scenario in order for it to be successful not that i would know because i've never had one oh and i will my be honest gosh, about that, that is so funny yeah okay all right so we're done and little lady uh have fun at thank your you appointment and stuff thank you all thank you all so much for listening yes absolutely oh did we already one. sign off no we didn't <laughs> now we're signing thank off you. okay thank you guys okay Bye. <laughs>